This podcast is brought to you by Crisp. It is a software that automatically mutes background noise in any communication app. No more embarrassing dog barks, traffic noises, crying babies, and family chatters when you're doing your calls from home or the nearby cafe. With Crisp, those noises will be muted and your caller will not be able to hear any of them. Not only is it able to remove background noises, it can also even remove the ones coming from your caller. So all you get is high-quality audio without the distractions. Crisp supports any devices and over 800 apps such as Zoom, Teams and WebEx. Try out the world's best AI-powered noise-cancelling technology for free. Simply go to adriantan.com.sg crisp to get started. Welcome to the show. I'm Adrian Tan. On the Adrian Tan Show, I speak with experts and thought leaders on issues surrounding the future of work. Many companies would want to hire people based on them having the right values, attitude and mindset that aligns with the company. But most companies would not even get to see them because they have already weeded them out based on resume. And having seen many of his intelligent friends not even getting a call for such an interview, drove my guest today, Roshan Ravishankar, to find out what went wrong and how this could be fixed. He has since co-founded Vita, a platform that helps recruiters verify candidate soft skills. This is done through a proprietary combination of personality tests, reference checks, and 360 assessments. I got to know Roshan and his other co-founder when they were in the NUS Lean Launchpad program as their designated mentor. Let's get going with Roshan Ravishankar. Hi Roshan, thank you for coming onto the show. Hi Adrian, very happy to be here. Yeah, it's been a long time since we last catch up and we got to know each other through the uh, NUS LLP program. But before that, maybe you could start off by helping the audience understand uh, what is it that you do with your background and what are you trying to achieve here? Sure, absolutely. So I'll probably catch the audience up with what Mr. Adrian knows very well about. I am Roshan. I work with Vita Verify and we're trying to solve the early assessment issue of not knowing the person behind the resume. So... For backing up your gut feel about a person with human data from the best sources to provide an industry pre-vet candidate. And when you mention industry pre-vet candidate, how is that made possible with your platform? Exactly. So the way that we do it is we reach out to people who've seen the candidates work in the industry, you know, people who've seen them in the professional capacity, like ex-bosses, ex-managers, direct supervisors, people like this, and we essentially collect qualitative information about them and convert that into something that you can actually use and compare amongst all the different people who've applied for your job to find the best fit candidates for the role you're hiring. And compared to a typical reference check, so most recently I actually received one. It was sent to me by a step board for one of my ex-colleagues and it just arrived to me in my inbox as a Microsoft Word document that I'm supposed to fill up, take and then send back to them. How different would your system be compared to what I just went through? So what you actually pointed out was what we call the level two stage of a reference check. We've broken down the three simple ways you know, to understand a bit more about where a company's current position is in the reference checking kind of process. The first stage, of course, would be people who don't conduct any kind of reference check at all. People who don't really reach out to referees or reach out to people who candidates have worked with previously to get any kind of information about them, that would be the first stage. So for them, it's more like educating them about the need of this, why it's really important to look beyond, you know, just your interview with the candidates and the kind of wealth of information that actually exists in the minds of these referees and why you should be reaching out to them and trying to collect this information, at least in the best way that you can. That would be the first stage. What you actually mentioned was the second stage, people who some form uh, throwing something together to kind of get around the fact that 
you don't know how to make a physical phone call because in the initial stages of when we were building this entire product, you know, we've spoken to a lot of HR people and the way that's usually done is through a phone call where, you know, they collect these references, phone numbers, and they give them a quick call to find out, you know, a bit more about the person. And they believe that, you know, this catching them off guard sort of thing would have a better way of, you know, trying to get more information about the candidates. But studies have shown us that honestly the best way to do this is to have them more prepared have them more know that what they're actually answering is in some way going to affect the livelihood of these candidates and you know they should actually have, have the mindset to think of the answers they're going to be giving and a random phone call honestly even if you were to receive a phone call right now from somebody asking for that you may not be able to throw together all the facts and remember accurately you know case scenarios and stuff that would have happened in the past and the best way to actually do this is, like you said, reaching out to them in some kind of web form or some kind of uh, preset set of questions that you can ask them and they can do in their own time. But Google Docs and you know, doing this kind of some, some Google Forms that are a Word document essentially is adding to a sort of a structure to the process where we have a set of questions and you're looking at more of the human element because we're not really assessing something like a product where it's a yes or no kind of thing. We're assessing human beings and the amount of things that go into deciding whether this human being is the right fit, whether this human being that you're assessing would have the right attitudes, the right attributes, the right values to fit into your company. That's something that requires a significant amount of thought and care. You know, you should be looking at things like your IO psychology, your organization behaviorologist, and looking from a scientific point of view. Are we asking the right questions? Are we able to actually ask the same kind of questions for standardization to compare between the different applicants for the same job role. And more than that, is it structured in the right way to collect the right information at the right stage? So other than that part, there's the reusability factor. So reusability comes more like from the candidate side. The candidate would have to apply for maybe 10 different positions. If we shortlist 10 different positions, then essentially the referee is contacted by 10 different people. What we do is collect this in a reusable sense so we can use it for all of his future applications and the referee, of course, isn't disturbed for every single time that he's shortlisted and taken to the next stage. And it's that comparability between the candidates and the reusability that adds to the entire process of the early assessment that we're doing. And, and based on what you are doing here, could you share with us a few sample questions or uh, framing that you have on your platform that would help to lead to better understanding of this candidate versus what you know, the incumbents or the traditional ways are doing it right now? Definitely. So what we're looking for isn't really that much of very specific down to Canada. We're looking for things that vary between organizations and job roles. We're looking for things more towards, you know, is this the kind of guy that would strive more of a startup environment or more of a corporate environment? Does he require a certain kind of management to perform best under? Does he require a certain kind of environment to, you know, strive very well in? Does he more the kind of guy that's very self-driven or does he require to some extent a certain kind of micromanagement, things that essentially cut down that initial phase after you bring a candidate on to bring him up to the performing stage and delegating stage in the employee life cycle. So we're trying to cut down that time by finding this fit earlier on. And by doing so, it's actually reducing the pain of a company having to go through the expensive process of recruitment and the significant pain that the applicant himself has to go through. It's looking for those nuances in the the candidate himself and honestly the only way you can find out about these things is by working with the candidate and this is also not kind of thing that you can identify by either asking the candidates some questions or honestly any kind of way making them play games or something like that you can be used to find things like you know their conscientiousness how attentive they are to detail how they 
how risk tolerant they are, but things like the best way to manage them and how they perform in a workplace, essentially, that's the kind of thing that we're trying to collect by going out to the referees at an earlier stage. When, when you talk about an earlier stage, how early would this be? When the applicant first come in or after certain rounds? What, what stage would that be? Right, so we're doing it two ways right now, uh, depending on the company that we... I mean, initially, uh, it was a very grandiose idea where we wanted to collect all this information at the earlier stage, at the, re- at the resume submission stage. And one of the, some candidates were not very comfortable with that. And you know, we conducted a lot of studies in the market trying to identify you know, when they'd actually be more comfortable with this. So companies can now actually choose whether to trigger this at the point of application when they collect the resumes or at the second stage before the first interview and during the first interview. And the reason we actually recommend this is because we're using it as a screening tool. And by collecting this information too late in the process, you don't really get to enjoy the benefit of screening the candidates early on. The point is to look beyond the resume and look beyond what you know, certain keywords or hard skills you might have on a resume to look at the candidates as a person. And getting this information too late in the process doesn't really deliver that kind of value. So the reason we do this and we suggest that you do it at an earlier stage, honestly, we've seen it in real-life situations. We've seen it in pilots that we run. We've seen it in companies that we've been working with, that you're able to cut down your number of interviews conducted. And the interviews that you do conduct, given that you have this report before you, you have an in-depth, intimate look into the candidate they're actually able to do a much better screening, ask the right questions and make sure you're aligned with the right things far earlier on. Right, that's interesting. And what motivated you to get into this uh, business or, or this proposition in the first place? Okay, so I'll probably give you a bit of background, you know, how we got into this whole thing and where we're from and I guess a bit of a backstory. Essentially, I come from a background of a family business in recruitment and I'm well aware of the process involved, you know, the real world versus the theory. Now, Charlie, who's my partner, is one of my closest friends from back in the day. We've always been problem solvers, you know, the kind of kids that just join competitions that we knew nothing about just for the heck of it, just for fun, you know. And the scale up from things like regional to even class level, the national, a couple of international competitions. And it's just like problem solving that really bonded us, you know, gave us a real kick. And a little over a year ago, one evening, Charlie and I were having a chat over some drinks. And Charlie brought up the fact that Quite a few of our classmates were struggling to find jobs last year. I mean, at the offset of the pandemic, of course, didn't come as much of a surprise to me, you know, given COVID and whatnot. But what got us to actually talking about it, we realized more often than not, the guys who were struggling were actually some of the best people we knew, the work ethic wise, the kind of people that we'd probably fight to be in a group project with, you know, because we know they do basically all the work. The kind of kids who stayed back after hours, put in that extra work to make sure that both their the collective and the individual work was great. You know, bright team players with great attitude. Honestly, perfect for many companies out there. And these are the guys that we found doing like food delivery, trying to make ends meet. But what amused us even more was when we knew that the group of other guys who landed not one or two, but several jobs. And it didn't make a lot of sense to us, you know, given that these are our classmates, our you know, batchmates, they have essentially very similar resumes as all fresh grads. And Charlie decides now is a good time to recant a story about how a close mutual friend of ours actually did land three positions consecutively. Of course, only to be fired from each of them because of some kind of gross incompetence, but they continue to lie on the resume. And of course, he carries himself very well during the interview. You know, he speaks confidently. But then at the end of the day, the company suffers because, I mean, essentially they're not getting the people who would be perfect for them. And the candidate suffers because they're not getting into the jobs that would be right for them. So what we wanted to do was find a way to empower these people to represent themselves beyond the document or keywords that we call a resume. And I guess a way to quantify certain traits and 
attributes about an individual, a person's value to carry that forward to the eyes of the employer. Now, don't get me wrong, I guess the second group of people definitely do deserve work. You know, they still uh, are very good people. They're good at something. It's just that very clearly they're more suited to something more of a sales or client-facing kind of role where they would shine. And it's essentially finding that fit and that chemistry between the company and the role you're applying to. It's in that pursuit which Vita was born. So in a way, it's really trying to identify authentic social proof to back the story of an individual so that he or she could get an opportunity compared to someone who may just have the gift of the gap and then just lie his or her way through. So the social proof would really be a good backing to it, which I clearly understand the proposition. Most recently, I was actually approached by a recruitment business to do a reference check for one of my ex-staff and I immediately refused. Okay. Because I know this guy is toxic. He's just going to lie and cheat and steal. So mm. I, I just avoid that altogether. I, I just want to understand from your perspective, since you are doing this for, for so long, mm-hmm. for many referees like myself, it is not something that we, in a way, accustomed to giving when it, the testimonial of an individual. Are there any do and don't or, or, or pro and con when it comes to doing all this engagement, especially when you're a referee? Anything to look out for? Anything you should do? Anything you should avoid? Any advice for people like us? Right. So for a referee point of view, it's uh, more of when a candidate asks you for a reference, you know, I mean, the new system that we're trying to implement is trying to get a more of an ongoing basis, you know, trying to create some sort of a passport, some sort of existing ongoing assessment for the candidates that you'd probably collect at the end of maybe a, a project or after working with somebody for a while, something that you develop and you keep going as you go. It's not necessarily specific to a job role because we feel that even from like a psychology point of view, having somebody write a reference, something specific to a job role, it can be very much skewed you know, to or against that job role. But giving a reference, I believe, shouldn't really be specific to that job role. It should be more about the individual themselves. It should be more about uh, the individual's characteristics, the individual's traits because... The reason they actually reach out to you as a referee is essentially, and what we've seen to be very true, referees are essentially the subject matter expert on these people. You know, they've known them for so long. They know the kind of person they are in a professional environment. You know how they behave professionally. They know how they create you know, interactions amongst their peers. They know how they handle disputes. And honestly, this kind of stuff is really, really valuable to the future employers. So if you are reached out as a referee, someone does reach out to you, then honestly, I would say, please try to be as honest as possible. Not in the fact that, okay, if you felt that this guy was bad, maybe you should consider that it may not have been bad as a person. It's more like in that particular situation, he didn't perform well. So express that concern as it is, saying that under me, he didn't perform well because of certain conditions and probably describe the conditions so that whether he's going to in the future, that might be a different situation. Honestly, people are good at something. That's a very inherent value of ours, something that we strongly believe. And if a person does have the right kind of environment, the right kind of management, the right kind of company, right kind of team around him, he can definitely strive to be significantly better and unlock a lot of potential about him. So it's not really about a better or worse candidate. It's more like where this guy would fit into. And your role as a referee is very, very vital in that. So definitely keep an open mind, be honest, and say it as it is more than just you know, opinionated, opinionated based on your, you know, your personal interactions with them. And, and how has the journey been for you guys? As I mentioned earlier on, we got to know each other through the Lean Launchpad program. So it's been pretty recent since you guys got started into this business. So how has things progressed for you so far? 
honestly, it's been very exciting. The entire journey is just really great. We love this field. We love what we're doing. We love the fact that we're able to impact people's lives. And HR tech, I just feel, is such a, it's such a great industry because you can see very tangibly the effects that you're doing. You know, when you're able to deliver something good, you're able to make a successful match. It's beautiful to see, like, the candidate happy, the company even more happy, seeing, like, a company performing much better you know, because they have the right people, seeing a candidate who honestly wouldn't usually be considered for a role actually being considered. It's essentially a hidden gem being, you know, coming out and seeing that, okay, the company can finally see me for who I am. And making those matches just gives you a great amount of joy, honestly. It's great to see that. At the same time, it also gives you a great amount of responsibility because you shouldn't be pushing out a product that you don't generally believe in. If you really don't feel like you're adding significant value to the process, I feel like it's significantly broken and you shouldn't be doing that. It's something that you should be putting a lot of thought into, into continuously, honestly pivoting, just refining and refining your solution. And I strongly believe it's prerogative of any good company that's looking to make good value to pivot as and when you, know, you realize that, okay, something here can be changed, something here can be refined. That's something that's ongoing. It should never stop. And even like one of our uh, recent clients, like an example, in the last pilot that we ran was a local fintech company. And they're in constant search of, you know, quality software developers. They're scaling. And so they're opening new positions every month. Now, their developers, they literally have to spend about three hours every day interviewing potential candidates. That averages around 10 interviews per week. Now, consider this with like a developer schedule, you know, a one hour stand-up meeting in the morning, a prolonged lunchtime. And along with these additional tasks, their productive hours are essentially reduced to about three hours a day. This is a huge problem. Now, these were candidates that were already pre-shortlisted by agencies. So it doesn't really solve the inherent issue. But, you know, after we work with them, we understand their pain, we found out how we can add value to them, how we can help them shortlist better, make sure that they're interviewing the right guys, are able to screen them in a better fashion. You know, with Vita and Play, essentially, you know, having these candidates' qualities vet objectively, they conduct significantly less interviews. And it got such a good cultural match, actually, in this particular case that, they're actually able to hire eight out of the 10 people that they interviewed because they found that fit so well. They rejected the unfit candidates before the interview stage. And aside of this that we actually didn't expect was we saw happier developers because they were meeting, like we said, you know, more of these hidden gems that may not have the best resumes but are actually honestly the right people for the team. Right. So the, the, the way it works essentially is to bring in more talents or rather un. un untapped talents into the into the business which i guess in a way like the sporting arena you want to play in the same league exactly. with other talents so that it makes sense and it's more interesting for you exactly and, and given that you are early in your stage and you managed mentioned about pivot so what are some of the preconceived notion that you brought into this when you first started which you subsequently dropped or changed your mind entirely as you went along the way I mean, there's been quite a few, honestly, because when we initially came in here, we honestly, like you heard our story, we wanted to help the candidates. We wanted to make sure that the candidates were able to represent themselves better and make sure that it's completely user-centric, but we didn't really consider the, the company side at all, the enterprise side, we're completely user-centric, like, okay, we need to help the users. But then as we worked on the user side, we actually realized that unless the company really wants the information, unless they're really asking for the information, ready to take this information seriously, it doesn't really make sense for the candidates to be collecting this and pushing it onto the companies. So then we had to make that pivot to understand that, okay, companies really need to want this before we're actually able to push it to the users. <laughs> then we started working with the companies to understand their needs, their wants, how they're currently doing things. That was a very early, 
I would call it a pivot early on. It's not really a pivot. It's more like another way of looking at the same solution that we're working on. And things are changing along the way. You know, we started off with a very basic system where we're just collecting, manually going out and collecting you know, references in a very non-scalable way. We've heard all the startup advice, you know, physically going out and collecting it ourselves, but then building it up to a platform and then getting that feedback. So one of the early things that we think we did really well was running those pilots. We ran a couple of pilots where we identified certain companies that really cared a lot about their talent. They cared about you know, a cultural fit, making sure that the person they're bringing on is actually a great person and making sure that the fit exists. And we identified these companies and worked with them for a couple of pilots and got very key feedback, things about the platform, you know, whether there's uh, something simple, you know, like the features may not be the right features, uh, certain features that they use more than others, certain features that they don't really use that much, things that they feel, okay, I wish I could do this. And getting that feedback to continually make the, the system a little better, making it slightly better, more convenient, finding out things that companies care about, like, you know, the candidate experience and how important that is from both points of view, but at the same time, not making it so easy such that it makes it as easy, I guess, like a LinkedIn easy apply where you literally end up with thousands of applications in your inbox and you're I mean, the only way to sort through them is essentially a control F kind of function looking for keywords. So it's like making sure you have the right candidate experience, making sure that uh, all this information is collected, it's more comparable, it's more what kind of metrics they're looking for, what kind of, uh, how do you actually identify the success of a product like this? You know? From industry wise and you know, all the in initial research that we did, we found a lot of companies in this, in this space where quantifying a bad hire, which I feel is a pretty arbitrary number. And quantifying a bad hire and saying, okay, we're helping you reduce chances of a bad hire. And it didn't really make a lot of sense where that number was coming from. So what we want to do is identify where actually the real value is being added. So in these pilots, again, we, we went out, we worked with the companies, we found out like where, where the significant changes. And that's where we came up with the, we noticed actually the interview success rate being significantly higher. It's identifying those, where the real value is being added, where it should be, you know, where in the recruitment funnel should this exist? When's the right time to collect the information, to present it, to use this as an interview tool or use it as more of a screening tool. And it's, it's a continuing learning journey. And the pivots are honestly very interesting. It's very careful to consider seeing the trends, making sure that it's not just one person asking for a feature, but it's actually the entire market that says, okay, this is something that needs to be on this platform. It's a very interesting process, that part of it. And are there specific demographics and firmographics that you're targeting? So we're actually rather industry agnostic. We haven't really seen a particular industry where this has you know, significantly more. But where we actually thought initially was more like, okay, it's definitely going to be larger companies who have you know, a significant amount of uh, resumes pouring in because if you have a lower amount of employee branding, you're not going to have that many applications, you're not going to have that strong of a need to actually assess you know, all the people coming in. And, or it could be startups. Because at an initial stage, with a small dynamic team, you definitely want to make sure that the people you're bringing on are a lot better fit. The initial few, if you have a five-man team, you're bringing one person on, essentially 20% of your workforce would be a bad fit then, which is very painful. So we initially thought of these two demographics. We ran a couple of things. But in over the last like few months, we've seen a pretty big shift. We've seen, we have people reach out to us from you know, the SME sector, from Places that we honestly didn't think, the traditional places that we didn't think they would actually care about this kind of uh, assessment, this kind of you know, looking at employees more objectively. But I guess because of COVID and you know, the pandemic, it opens up the entire workplace to more of a global marketplace. So people are trying to have access to a much wider pool of talent. And it's assessing this wider pool of talent 
that pushes technology adoption, at least in the HR tech sphere that we've noticed. So ideal target customer-wise is very vast. We've actually even seen people from the executive side, a couple of C-suite people who are using it for their self-development. They've at least approached us for it, saying, can I please use this to self-assess myself, you know, get all my different my 360s done and use this to identify where my weaknesses are. So it's a very vast target audience kind of this. And for companies that are keen to understand more, how, how do you charge for your platform? Is it on a subscription basis or is it on a per-use basis? Mm-hmm. So we don't charge the candidates anything and we work on a subscription model for the companies. And most solutions we've seen charge per reference check or per job or something like that, but we feel that there's an additional burden on the company for each of these jobs for every time they want to fill a, a particular job role. The amount of cost just mounts up. So we had a lot of discussions to think what the best way to work around this be. And it's more like an ongoing assessment. So we have a subscription, a monthly subscription that we charge the companies. And for the pandemic, obviously, it's going to have, it had an impact on a lot of businesses out there. And you started actually right in the middle of <laughs> yeah. it. How has that affected your business and in terms of engagement, in terms of even, even your product usage? Has, has that affected anything at all? Definitely. I mean, as a business born out of the pandemic, we've had the privilege, I guess, of learning to cope on the job. And in the early stages, we were born by multiple people just, and multiple times, honestly, everywhere we went, they're saying, stay away from talent assessment, that talent acquisition is a place you really don't want to be right now because hiring is going to slow down, you know, because of COVID and this and that. But that's honestly exactly the problem we were trying to solve, making a more efficient TA process. So we doubled down, we got to work and found that companies that were going completely remote, you know, because of this larger pool of talent, the global uh, scale that has essentially gone to, you can now actually compare a local hire to somebody sitting in another part of the world. And this completely opens up the talent pool available to you. It's no longer looking at a particular person who's working in your demographic. It's a much vaster skill set, much vaster you know, set of requirements. And it's in this that actually comes the importance for assessing the candidates' personalities because you don't really have the privilege of getting to work with them or luxury to see how they work in a workplace, you know, kind of sit next to them and guide them through the onboarding process, guide them through their work process. You don't really have that privilege anymore. So it's more like assessing these candidates and trying to get a more in-depth, as much as possible, a more intimate view of these people and make sure that they're the right people for you because you don't really have much tying you to them at an earlier stage. And as we move into this 2021, what's next on the roadmap? Well, recently we've been working with, you know, educators like in the universities, local universities and a student we've noticed actually technically does, as a student-led startup, this is actually one of the key areas we're trying to solve. You know, a student typically does about four to five internships throughout their four years. So we're helping them collect an objective assessment from people who they've worked with. And these reports are then used by the school to help them identify weaknesses uh, in the students, you know, and upskill them. Other than that, also using this for their future employments, making sure that an individual graduating from university actually has something about him to stand out, something over and above a resume. Because like, you know, any fresh grad, you take like 20 resumes, pack them out. It's not really much telling them about. It's very similar. They have one line saying that, you know, I went to so-and-so university, graduated from so-and-so, maybe a GPA and a bit of like CCA and things like that. But essentially nothing really telling them apart. So we're trying to add value over there from a university point of view. We are working with a couple of uh, larger companies on seeing for seeing where the fit would really lie, you know, trying a couple of the, the shop floor levels, a couple of the C-suite levels where people are trying to assess and I guess they have a much larger budget for a C-suite level. So it's working on that as well and looking for that 
essentially, is it more of a niche kind of thing where we have uh, adoption from a particular, uh, particular level of people? So that's something that we've been working on recently. And for people who are willing to find out more about Vita, where should they go to? Oh, definitely. You want to keep up with us? Please reach us on our website, vitaverify.me. Or you can just drop us a mail at admin at vitaverify.me. And the links will be added into the show notes. Roshan, thank you so much for making time today. I had a great time speaking with you. And I, let's catch up uh, for coffee with Charlie once uh, sure. things settle down. And uh, once again, I wish you continued success for in your journey with Vita. All right. Thanks so much, Adrian. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Han Show.